All right, take your copy of the revelation that you brought today. If you don't have one, look in the pew near you. You'll find one. They're red. And uh, you can pick it up in Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21. We've learned in Matthew, talking about these songs and learning the lean and praising God and giving Him glory for His grace and His wonders, how He said He's perfected praise out of the mouth of babes. He pulled from the Old Testament. We've, we've talked about that before, about how praise renders the enemy uh, silent or paralyzed. And we want to give God the glory and praise Him and sing to Him. Amen? And always remember the platform of praise is obedience. When we're obedient to the Lord, we're giving Him praise. And God silences the enemy in our lives or renders Him powerless to affect us when we are praising Him. Now there are times when uh, the Lord allows the enemy to sift us, as He did with Peter. We're going to find out that. Uh, he said that the enemy requested to uh, sift you. He said, I prayed for you, Peter. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. See, whatever God allows in our life, it's always to be a blessing to somebody else, and it equips us uh, to lean. He's teaching me how to lean. And that's a thing we learn all the way through the journey of walking with Jesus is learning how to lean on Him. Amen? Amen. Because there's constant things in our life trying to pull our attention off of Him. Very similar to when Peter. Sunday night we talked about that out of, out of Matthew's Gospel. When they were in the storm and the winds were raging... And Jesus came out to them on the sea, and they thought it was a ghost. They thought it was a spirit, and they cried out. One, one version of the gospel says Jesus would have passed them by, headed to the other side. Well, he told them these words, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. And when you think about that in the... Life, life is always going to have storms in it. Amen. It's just part of the seasons, part of the change, part of the, of the times that we're in. We're constantly going to have storms that are in our life. Now the difference between being of good cheer, taking heart, being able to celebrate in the storms, in the wind, and in the valley and on the mountaintop is the presence of Jesus. That's the difference between celebrating it or living with anxiety and fear in life. When we understand who's with us, he says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And when I realize Jesus is with me, and Jesus is for me, he's not against me, and that he's invited me to walk with him, that can't help but produce a, a cheer in us, a joy, a celebration, a gladness in us that we don't have to fret and what did Peter do? He stepped out on the water and he walked toward Jesus. And as he walked toward him, the scripture says that Peter, like Jesus, walking in his presence, looking to him, he walked on water. He, he went against what was natural. But soon as he took his eyes off the Lord and he began to look at the winds and the waves, the scripture said he started sinking in the sea. And Jesus, in his compassion, reached down with his hand and he picked him up. And the two stepped into the boat. And when they got in the boat together, the scripture says the wind ceased and the, the waves quit raging. 
Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. When I'm fretting, when I'm afraid, when I'm timid, unsettled, disturbed, I'm letting, I'm looking at the winds, I'm looking at the circumstances of life. But when I look to the presence of God, I can be of good cheer and confident at peace. He's got me, amen? amen. And I can follow His will and overcome this natural world that we walk in. Look if you would, Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 33. Parables. What is a parable? A parable is an earthly illustration, an earthly story with heavenly meaning, with an eternal meaning to it. And Jesus taught in parables, but you have to ask the question, well, why did he teach in parables? Well, he answers that for us, is that he taught in parables to, to keep truths from those that didn't have truth and understand truth. He taught in stories like this, these earthly illustrations, to keep truth or the meaning of the truth from those that didn't have answers. And he revealed what the parables meant to his disciples one-on-one, uh, -on -one. when they were alone, they kept coming back to him and said, we don't understand what you was talking about here. We know that you, was, you said this, but what does this mean? And then Jesus would teach them. Matter of fact, hold your spot there in Matthew 21 and turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. Let me show you this. Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. He says in verse number 33, Mark 4, 33. And with many such parables, he, Jesus, spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, that would be his disciples, he explained all things to his very own. Matthew's gospel tells us, matter of fact, turn to Matthew. I would mark that down anytime you think of a parable. And when Jesus taught of a parable, that's a good reference to go back to. Parables were for his disciples who would understand as they got along with Jesus and he would teach them, but they were to keep truths from those that didn't belong to him. Look at Matthew 13, I believe it is. Matthew 13. Look in verse number 10, Matthew 13, verse number 10. Verse 9 says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that is, he who has the capacity to hear, let him choose to hear. That's the neat thing about belonging to Jesus and being taught by His light. He has given us by His grace a capacity to hear His voice. Now we have then to choose to hear His voice. But there are people in this world that do not have the capacity to hear Jesus' voice. They're not of Him. They're not of the Father. That's where John 8 would say, if you was of my Father, you would hear my voice. John 10 says, if you were of the Father, if you belonged to me, you would follow me. You would hear my voice as a shepherd and follow me. But I told you, don't worry about the fact that you, you're not following me. You can't follow me unless you belong to me. 
He gives us in grace the capacity to hear and we as the people of God then in submission and faith choose to hear what he has for us. And when we choose to hear what he has, Jesus teaches us great and wonderful things. He says in verse number 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given you. You have the capacity to know the mysteries of the kingdom and heaven. But to them, they don't have that capacity. It has not been given to them. Verse 12 says, For whoever has capacity to him, more will be given, and he who has an abundance, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The Scripture says God spoke in parables, Jesus spoke in parables, to keep the heavenly truths as a mystery from those who heard the story. All they heard, uh, Brandy, was an earthly story. They didn't get the meaning of it. If Jesus came as He did here, He says, Okay, I sowed seed, Karen, and the seed fell on stony ground. Some fell on by the wayside, and some fell in uh, shallow places, and some fell among the thorns, but some fell among good ground. All they heard a story was about a farmer who took some seed and broadcasted his seed. Some fell by the wayside. The birds came and got it. Some fell among stones. And some fell among thorns. But some fell in soil that had been prepared. It was ready to take the seed. That's all they heard. But his disciples came to him and said, we, You meant something in this. We want to know what you meant. And he says, Well, this is what I meant. I, I, uh, the seed is the word of God. And those that fall by the wayside... And the birds, the birds are the picture of the enemy, the devil that comes and snatches the word when it's sown by the wayside, falls on that hard ground. He snatches it out so that they can't hear or be saved by that word. Some falls among stony ground and doesn't have no earth under and it can't take root and produce and grow. And some seed, the word, falls on ground that's got thorns on it and when it comes up the thorns choke it out and it, and it can't survive it can't get the light it needs it can't get the nutrients it needs because the thorns take all the nutrients away the cares of this world overwhelm and that's all they can see is the cares of this world and not the seed of the word of God but some seed falls in a good and noble heart and a good and noble heart is a heart that God's done a work in and prepared for that seed to fall in and it produces a harvest out of it you see, the world that he spoke to in that day didn't know what that meaning meant when he was illustrating that. It was only those he pulled aside and came to him and said, help us with this. We want to know what you was talking about. And then Jesus taught him. And that's the difference between a, a genuine disciple and someone who, who really doesn't want to know the Lord or what he thinks. They don't keep going to him. They don't keep seeking him. They don't keep asking him, Lord, what did you mean when you said this? What are you telling me? How do you want me to walk and live and love and and live life. I need you. I need your light. I need your presence in my life. That's the difference between somebody that knows Jesus and somebody that just knows what Jesus does. A man that knows Jesus keeps coming to Jesus. Amen? They keep seeking him as a way of life. Men that know things about Jesus often like what they hear about Jesus, but they don't pursue him with all their heart to live in his presence, to seek him, and then hear and walk in his teachings in life. And that's the difference between somebody who belongs to him and somebody who doesn't. Yeah. What's the difference there? Grace. Jesus. He makes that difference. Amen. 
So look in Matthew 21. We've got this parable that he is going to unveil to them. And he says this, verse 33 of 21. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, a protective hedge around it. That was a wise move, a great move, very similar to what God does to his own people in the, in the sense that like Job, remember when Job was standing uh, before the enemy and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And the enemy said, how can I? You have a hedge around him. He's protected him. The owner dug a wine press in it and he built a tower in it and he leased it. He, he put it in the hands of vine dressers and he went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they may receive, that is the owner may receive its fruit, its produce, uh, uh, the agreement and the blessing. And the vine dressers took his servants and they beat one, they killed one, and they stoned another. Again, he sent another servant. More than the first. And they did likewise to them. Verse 37 says, Then last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They surely will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son... They said among themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Let's take his glory from him. So they took him and they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, because he's coming, what will he do to those vine dressers? Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, they look in this still in a... In a, in a practical way, they said to him, he would destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. And Jesus said to them, have you ever, have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation, a holy nation, bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken into pieces. But on whomever it, the stone, falls upon, it will be ground to powder. Father, we ask you today to simply take this word and help us as your people realize the beauty of being attached and aligned and around you, our cornerstone. I pray that you will speak to us, that you will help us understand some of these things and the pictures you've given us, and that we'll do it in a way that I honor you and bless you and bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This reminds me of an Older Testament passage. Some very similarities to it. And we see the heart of this is in reference to this nation that we know of as Israel. And what God set out to do and intended to do. Matter of fact, we're not going to have time to 
to get all into it. We'll come back tonight and finish it up. But if you look in Isaiah chapter 5, look in Isaiah chapter number 5. We'll see a very similar picture. And what I'm going to do is just read Isaiah 5 to you this morning. And tonight we'll come back and we're going to talk about this parable and this image that Jesus painted, how he took from a, a vineyard and then threw before them this idea of a cornerstone, something that is to be established to align and build everything else around and how these Pharisees and and Jews didn't see him as being the cornerstone of their life. Matter of fact, they, they're about to kill him. They're going to kill him. And they didn't want anything to do with him. And it's very similar to what we see here in Isaiah 5. Let me just begin reading in verse number 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill he dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choice vine and he built the tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it so he expected it the vineyard to bring forth good grapes but something happened but it brought forth wild grapes Jesus, better than anybody, teaches us that good seed produces good fruit. Bad seed produces bad fruit. No good tree can produce bad seed or fruit, nor any bad tree is going to produce good fruit. It's a matter of the seed. So what we have obviously here is that when the vineyard was planted and the good seed was planted, somebody come in and planted bad seed, wild grapes, in the midst of what was supposed to be only for good. Verse 3 says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, you judge, please, between me and my vineyard. You examine this. You look at it. You think about it. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it. Why then, when I expect it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? So why did it? Somebody sowed some bad seed, right? Somebody planted some foreign grapes amongst the good grapes. And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned. And I will break down its walls, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned or dug up. And there shall come up briars and thorns, which are reminders of the fall, curse, sin. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more on that vineyard. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for, he expected justice, and behold, what did he get? Oppression. For righteousness, but he, behold, a cry for help. The people began to be unjust in how they worked and how they dealt with people. Verse 8, 
Woe to those who join to the house of Israel. They add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. And in my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, Truly, many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitant. For ten acres of a vineyard shall yield one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield one ephah. Simply what it was, these bad seed, these wild grapes, combined their togetherness and stuck with one another, thinking that the stronger they were, the more they had, the better off they would be. But God says, I'm going to reverse what you've done. It doesn't matter how many join in with it. It doesn't matter how many houses join together or how many fields come together. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. And you have no way to protect yourself. It doesn't matter how many you come together. Verse 11, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink. Who continue until night till wine inflames them. The harp and the strings, the tambourine and the flute and the wine are in their feast. But they do not regard, they do not regard the work of the Lord. Nor consider the operation of His hands. Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitudes dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. That's simply saying uh, death and the grave has just continued to swallow up his people. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down each man shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled but the lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment and god who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness even though he is going to destroy uh, this vineyard he's still going to be glorified in it he's going to glorify himself amen no matter if men glorify him or men go an opposite way whether we do what god's called us to do god's going to glorify himself Now, we can join him, Pam, but it ain't a necessity for him. He's going to glorify himself with us or without us, amen? No different than that wedding feast. Is there going to be a wedding of the lamb and of his bride? Whether there's one there or a million there, there's going to be a wedding. It's going to be a good wedding. It's going to be a... A feast is going to be something celebrated. Whether there is a thousand or ten million, there's going to be a wedding. And he says here, I'm going to glorify myself even in my judgment toward them. Verse 17 says, Then the lambs shall feed in their pastures, and the waste places shall of the fat one strangers shall eat. And watch, verse 18. Woe to those who draw iniquity with the cords of emptiness, vanity, and sin as if it was a cart rope. That say, let him, that is God, make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. God's done done his work. There's not any more things that God needed to do to prove himself to these people. This is what they kept saying. Well, we don't see God's hand. We don't see God doing anything. We don't see God at work. Well, God already worked. They chose not to see what he did. That was just an excuse to accuse him. You ever done that before? 
knowing what God set you apart to do, but you say, well, I need a sign or I need something else to take place. I need something else done. So I'll do what God called me to do. God needs to help me. But there's a lot of things we don't need to pray about because God's already answered what we need to do. Amen? Amen. And that's what we'll do. We excuse it. Well, let me pray about it. Well, there's, there's no need to pray when he says, love your brothers. Amen? You don't have to pray about that. You can pray about it, but you don't have to pray if you need to do it or not because he's already told you to do it. Amen? You don't have to pray about that. You pray how I can love them, but not shall I love them, because he's already told us to love them. Amen? That's a simple matter of faith, obedience, and then God empowers us to do what he's already told us to do. Verse 20, this is the point I'm, that we're getting to and what happened with Israel with their darkness. He says, woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust because they, here's it, here it is. Why do people do this? Why will we do it? Because they or we have rejected the word of the law of the Lord. And it goes back, and this is what we're going to look at tonight out of this parable in, in Matthew 21 is that Jesus was telling them that you were the vineyard. And the owner kept sending people to you to help you to receive glory for what he put in your possession but you kept rejecting them and you rejected this one and you rejected that one. So the owner sent his son and not only did you reject him, but you, you killed him. And you failed to realize that that son is the chief cornerstone. And that light, he's not to be rejected. No, everything that we do is to be attached to him, aligned with him, and built around him. Amen? And anything other than that he said, we'll be crumbled to dust. So as we look at this, we live in a day in a land that calls evil good, that calls light darkness and darkness light. Yeah. We're going to see how that, how that happens and, and the reason it happens. Remember what he said in Matthew 6.23 in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, if, if the light you have is dark, how great then is your darkness. These people, they were dark. Their, their, their souls were dark. Everything they saw was in darkness and they looked at that darkness as their light and they condemned righteousness and justified wickedness. And as a result, he became an offense to them and they wanted nothing to do with him. And I want to tell you in the world we live in today, when we stand on the light of the revelation of God's Word, when we let God work in us and through us, we become offense to this society that we live in. 
They don't, they, they, they're looking at things uh, totally different than we are. Now, what we have to do is that we've got to look past how they view us and lay our lives down so that we can bring light to them. Because if we let them affect us on how we look at them, what's going to wind up happening is, is we're going to isolate ourselves, stay away from them, and then all we're going to do is, is ridicule them and mock them, but we're not bringing life to them. We've got to learn how to discern the difference and realize that, hey, we are the new vine dressers. We've been given a new, this ministry of taking care of the, of the vineyard so that it brings glory and honor to the one who, who gave us this vineyard to take care of and that the harvest would bring him glory. Amen. And that we don't receive or take the glory for ourselves but that we give him the praise and the glory for it. And I believe he'll help us. So we'll look at a few things tonight and how we need to just continue to look to Jesus, learn to lean upon Jesus, continue to walk with him, and continue to love people and lead them to Jesus. Not compromise our truths that he's given us, but stand on the truth, lay our life down, and lead other people for his glory. Amen? Now, I need help to do that. I, I need him. I need you. We need one another to do this, to bring him the glory and the harvest. Father, we thank you today. We ask that you help us. We want to see things the way you see things. Therefore, we want to see them in faith. We know that you can and will and do. You teach us in your word the unfolding or the unveiling of your light. does something in us. And we're asking you to send forth your light and lead us to your presence so that we can walk in your power and strength today because we want to help people. We want to be faithful uh, men and women who understand our accountability and responsibility in this vineyard that you're working. You've given it to us. We're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation who's been set aside to do your work in these days. May we not take it lightly. In Jesus' name, amen. That was one of the big differences between those unfaithful vine dressers and those of the other nation who would honor it was the fact that they would, they would go wherever he led. They would do whatever he gave because that's what they treasured in life, amen being like the master and boy I don't know about y'all but I need help with it amen I need help with it and because a lot of times that deals with having to deal with people and we don't always want to deal with people but I want to tell you Jesus is in the business of dealing with people and he uses his people to do it and uh, and, he, and he helps us with that and we want to be used by him that we want to remember that all life is of value in the eyes of the Lord and that we want to protect and want to bless and let God use us to be a protector of the womb as well as the elderly. Amen. Amen. And everything in between. All life that God will use us to do that. Anybody else have anything you want to share? Add. Yes, bring those tonight if you would. What time are we gathering? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. All right. Anybody else? Well, it's been good to be with you today. Joe, what's Sunday school with our men? How about you ladies? Y'all had a good Sunday school? Awesome, awesome, and it's always a pleasure to 
have family and guests and friends and just the joy of being able to walk together with one another. Amen? Amen. Amen.